Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, Jason. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Jason. Steve. Microphones. That's it. We're here. Story. <laughs> yes. So, um, friend of yours. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, met Josh at a 12-step meeting, and uh, he went to boot camp. Do those work? The 12-step meetings or the boot camps? Because the answer is yes been. to both. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. So, um, and what I love about this story is, so he's here with his second wife, second marriage for her as well, uh, married to someone struggling with addiction. And um, so solid. Yeah. And my, my favorite thing is just that recovery seems to be so gradual, but so sudden at the same time. And just how God shows up for these guys over and over and over in so many ways. And just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Miracles happen. Community matters. It's all here. So um, invite you to uh, go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate um, to join us for the bonus content. Um, we are a 501c3. Uh, everything that you donate, Jason doesn't get paid to edit this audio. I don't get paid to be here. We don't pay Chris. Anyway, no one's here getting paid. All of that money goes to scholarship. So if you have a need for a scholarship, you're worthy. We want to help you. And so go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. See the available scholarships now. There's quite a few. Um, different variety of things that you can get into. Give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world finds us. Um, love to hear from you. If you have a story to share, you're an expert, totally reach out to us. Um, if you have anonymous questions, anonymous go questions, send them on our website. Send them, yeah, on our website. Um, love to hear from you. And uh, follow us on social at Unashamed Unafraid. And with that, we will get in the studio with Josh and Heather. Let's do it. We're here with some good friends. Josh, Heather, what's happening? Hey, you guys. Hey, how's it going? So good. So I had this great experience um, to be with you in a big moment of your life recently. Yeah, it was wonderful to have you. I appreciate you coming. Care to share with the class? Yeah, so last Saturday I was rebaptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Very, very cool. Um, was a, a special experience. Heather, what was that like for you? Um, very emotional. I knew before we met that I was going to be here, be there the day he got baptized. So to actually see it come about was pretty emotional because I knew it was coming and I knew it's something he had worked for a lot. Yeah. So, um, tell us the story we, you know, we were talking before, um, I mean, you just have so many gold nuggets and experiences that have happened. And, um, I think if anyone, uh, with what Heather just said, right. Uh, inference to, um, this being second marriage for both of you, right. Yes. yes. And just getting rebaptized, like realignment in the church. So there, so now we need to know, like, what is this whole story that happened that got us to this point? All right. Well, um, we started at, at the age of 10. Um, I was uh, introduced to pornography and masturbation uh, through uh, the youth in our ward uh, through overnights. and, and So uh, ward is like congregation, church group. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, and, and so uh, some of the youth in our group, we just did sleepovers at each other's houses, and that's exactly how it, how it 
was brought up, you know, like the fuzzy HBO stuff. And, and, uh, that was back in 1993. So it was a long time ago. Um, we, after that, we went to, um, let's see, just, you know, I just started indulging in it and didn't stop. Um, at the age of 14, I was caught by my mom and, uh, I was, she, she took me into the Bishop's office and said, here, you need to go fix this and have the Bishop fix it. And went in there and he asked me how many times I had, I had been exposed and looked at it. And, and I told him three and his response was, okay, don't, don't pass the sacrament or don't do anything for three weeks. And so, um, that was my thought process of how, uh, to earn your respect back from God and earn your, um, earn your love back from him was just like that, that back and forth scale, but that kind of about that balance. Mm -hmm. Um, so from that point on, I just, you know, I hit it, hit everything throughout the, my entire life. Um, I didn't serve a mission. I went to, uh, I moved, I I was born and raised in Vegas and then, uh, moved to St. George, Utah. And, uh, when I was 17, finished school, moved back to, Vegas, um, when I was, uh, right after high school and did a lot of, uh, strip clubs and, uh, venturing out and, and if, you know, like a lot of my cashiers and stuff. How old were you when you started the the strip clubs and sexually acting out? I was 18. Um, but, um, my first experience with, uh, with a girl was, I was 14 years old. So, Yeah. So it was, it was, it wasn't the best at all, but of course I was curious and, and that's what it was, you know? And so I was, and so at the age of 18, moved back to 18, 19, moved back to Vegas, um, was, was back in Vegas for about four years. And until a big life event happened where my uh, brother was jumped in, in St. George. And then I moved, I quit my job, moved back to St. George to be with him and went, um, yeah, and started realizing then that I wanted something that that my so jump so, for the friends who don't roll street with you and I. So he's assaulted. Yeah, yeah. So so and and I was actually assaulted also when I was when I was I was jumped by one of my best friends in that same crew from the mm-hmm. you know from I was uh, sixteen years old and hit with a baseball bat right across the forehead, got a big old crack right here. You can mm-hmm. you can feel it, but um. Yeah. So anyway, um, went through, went through that. And so I, I, I knew the pain that he was going through. So I knew he needed some brotherly love. So I, I quit, quit everything. The job I was at didn't want to give me the time off. So I just quit the job and I said, I can find another one. It's not a big deal. Moved back with my brother. And, uh, and at the time, like I had lost, I was, I knew it was in the process of losing my grandfather. Um, he had Alzheimer's and, uh, mm-hmm. uh Parkinson's. And so, um, it, for me, it was, I need to, I, I want, I wanted the same thing he did. And so I started straightening my life up when I moved back for a second time to St. George and, uh, you know, went to a Bishop and, you know, and his immediate response was, you know, when I told him everything I had done, he's like, okay, well, we just need to get you married, you know, and everything will be, everything will be good. 
Oh, there it is. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Um, so I guess my question, like going through all of this, what, what was your relationship? Um, and we talk a lot on this podcast how there's church and there's God, and right. God is in church all the time, and sometimes he's not. And um, uh, right, we have different experiences of shame and all different feelings. But right. So tell me, like, what was the experience with church and what was the experience with God as you were kind of moving through all of those life events? Um, it was more like a checklist for me. It was more like, like whatever the, like, I don't feel that I ever had a relationship with God. I felt like it was more of a, like, like a checklist from the Bishop. Like if you have a little bit of sobriety, you're good. If you have, you know, if you read your scriptures, you're good. If you, you know, just that constant daily checklist, you know, and there. But if you had sex with someone or been to the strip club, you're, Oh yeah, you're, 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 you're bad and you can't, you know, you can't do, you can't go to the temple. You can't, you know, you can't partake of the sacrament. You can't do a whole lot, you know? And mm-hmm. so, and so, you know, just don't do that, you know? And it was, don't do this for excellent X amount of time, and, you know? And then hopefully we can, if you don't do that for that amount of time, we'll be able to, you know, we'll be able to, you know, get you married, get you so- married. So during this period, you know, post high school, before you go see the bishop, uh, like, how are you feeling about yourself? Like, are you in shame? Or are you just like, whatever, I'm going to do what I want? Like, where, where's your heart at in this time? Because um, you, you told us earlier before we started recording that you've always been active in the church. Right. So are you just living a double life or do you? Oh, yeah, there was a, there was a double life. Yeah. Well, yeah, just because, you know, it was porn masturbation and it was, you know, trying to pour masturbation here and then trying to to get back on the straight and narrow and trying to get where I wanted to be where my heart wanted to be but I my the man inside of me wanted all of this other stuff so so I I guess um the silence I'm holding like the feeling the the feeling I'm having hearing your story Josh is like what did you do with all that pain? Numbed out with porn masturbation. Just numbed out. Didn't didn't care, didn't didn't do anything. Didn't didn't talk about it, didn't, you know, kept it bottled up. Started building a building a rock wall around my heart and and not saying anything or talking to anybody about it. So you end up getting married. Yep. Yep. Getting married, got married to my ex-wife and, and didn't indulge any, didn't talk to her about anything. Didn't disclose anything. Nope. And about three, two and a half, three years into it, that was when I came out and told her about it. Um, she, um, she, she wasn't too happy about it. Um, and then she said, if it happens, you know, just go to, go to ARP, which is addiction recovery program. Yeah. So LDS church's 12 step program, right? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, go to that. So I went to that for, got through steps one, two, and three, and she saw a difference in me just like that. And, you know, and told, you know, said, okay, you're good. You don't have to go anymore. So I quit going and, and a couple, it was probably a couple, probably a couple months after that. Um, I, the first time I stepped outside of my marriage was 2010 and stepped outside my marriage and, and immediately disclosed it to the bishop. And I was disfellowshipped then, um, you know, talked to, you know, told her about it. And she went to the, she went, she went to the temple and she, um, she was told, you know, like you can forgive, but don't forget. 
And, mm-hmm. and so she came back to me and was like, okay, like, like let's try again. Um, but if it happens again, pornography and masturbation or, or anything at all, it's, you know, we're done. Like we're divorced. We're going to be done. And that was 2010 and between 10, 2010 and 2016, when my son was born, we probably, well, we, we have two kids and in the, in the realm of all that, we also had, uh, there was less than a hundred days of sobriety combined all together. Mm-hmm. So, and it was all kept under, kept under wraps and stuff. So, so in that time frame, like what's going through your head? If I tell her well, we're going to be divorced. So you're just like, yep. I'm just going to take this dual life to the grave. Like this yep. is just how I'm going to. Exactly. This is how, this how I'm going to do this show. Or? Exactly. And just, yeah, just, just keep it inside, bottle it up, bottle it behind, behind the Active the in church wall. during all this? Yep. Yep. Active in church. Uh, I had callings. So mm-hmm. I was active in the callings. Uh, nothing, you know, I wasn't a bishop or anything like that, but you know, I was, I was, uh, serving in church. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. So how, how long did this stretch last of, I can't tell her we're going to get divorced. Um, that lasted until December 23rd of 17. So that was what, seven years. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think it's interesting that, um, there's been a few times where, like you said, you acted out outside of your marriage mm-hmm. and you immediately told somebody about it. Right. Tell me about that. So, so the first time, the first time I, like in 2010, I immediately did like, cause just the guilt and, and the pain that, that was inside my heart, like, like the, just that blackness, that darkness, um, I, I couldn't bear it. And so I, so I went, so I, that's when I disclosed it and, you know, went, went to who I thought would be able to help it, you know, and that was the bishop, you know, and, and so we went and fixed that. And, and, and now there's this, now there's this ultimatum, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. And so, so the ultimatum was, you know, if it happens again, we're divorcing. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to break up my family unit, but then again, I didn't want to be married either. If that makes sense. Um, I didn't want to, yeah. So I, I just didn't want to break up that family unit. And so from 2016, uh, the summer of 2016, um, we moved from St. George up to, uh, Orem, Utah. And in that time frame, there were a lot of times that I stepped outside of the marriage just to give the validation of myself, trying to, you know, trying to, um, fulfill my, my, uh, addiction. And then, um, all of 2017, I was in college at UVU and, um, you know, went and, there were quite a few women there, a total of 11 and a total of 11 women. And then, um, I got a phone call that my fork in the road was December 23rd of 2017. And that was my ex brother-in-law that called me and he's, I got a phone call that night and he said, Hey, you need to tell, you need to tell my sister what's going on. So well, he knew. He knew. Yeah. So at the time he's your brother-in-law. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 At the time he was my brother-in-law and, and he, um, just called me and was like, you need to tell, you need to tell her what's going on. Cause if you don't, I will. And I'll tell her tomorrow. And so I had that fork in the road and where it's like, okay, which direction am I going to go? Am I going to go, you know, keep living this life, this double triple life that I'm living or, you know, or am I going to, you know, turn and start living a life where, where it's just all about being honest. 
seems to me like a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation, right? Yes. Yeah. You know that she's going to find out either way. Right. You know there's this ultimatum of she's going to divorce me either way. Right. So tell me about that decision then. Like, if 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 your life is over anyway, why do you care? Because I didn't want to break up my family unit. I didn't. I didn't want to cause pain to my my kids, and the, and the pain of my daughter and the pain of my son, like like them not living, them not having a that family unit. You know, I was raised with that. Like I had mom, dad, brother. You know, so I had that. Like I didn't want my 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 kids going going through that without without it. So tell us about the decision you made then. So that night I just made the decision, you know, and, and I just said, no matter, like I, from that point on, I just said, I'm going to, uh, make, I'm, I'm going to move this direction. And I, the next day we, we had a conversation and it wasn't pleasant. It was big D day. Uh, we were in St. George at the time, you know, heading up for Christmas break and, and she, um, she took the kids you know, and went to her sister's out in California. And so it was the first year that I didn't have my kids for, you know, for Christmas, which was hard. Um, and then I just started uh, reaching out to an old friend. Uh, as a few friends that I reached out to because I knew I was going to need, need need some connections, you know, because I knew I was heading into some, some dark times. So did that. Um, she came back, drained, drained the bank account, um, took everything we had. And said it's on you. Whatever whatever you decide to do is on you. Um, so, meaning like to stay married or divorced, or no to to either just stay in St. George or to or because at the, at the time she was like I'm I don't know exactly what I'm going to do because I had only I, I had only told her a, po- a portion of the truth. So I had only told her about uh, four of the women. I didn't uh-huh. I didn't tell her about the other I didn't tell her about the the other seven. You know, mm-hmm. and so. Um, so I just held on to that and I was going to run that to the grave and, you know, she, you know, she's like, you know, you can stay here in St. George, you can come back, but you're not coming with, with us. So was it a, we're getting divorced at this point? No, not yet. It was a, I'm, I need to think about time. Exactly. I need to think about this. And, and so during, during the next little while, um, I, I come back, I come back to Orem. Um, there's two bags, two bags and keys to one of our cars, you know, on the, on the porch. I give my daughter a big hug, give my son a big hug. And, and, uh, I, yeah. So I went to, I was working at, or I was going to UVU at the time, um, dropped out of that and went and found a job and just delivering pizzas. And so I did that and went to, um, about three weeks later, January 19th and, it was a Friday, very busy day, um, storming outside, went out on a pizza delivery and came back. And, um, on my way back, like my heart just started hurting, you know, and, and the, the personal revelation that was, that was kicking in was, um, you need to finish it. Like you need to to tell her the rest. Mm -hmm. Um, she deserves it. She, you know, she's the mother of your kids. She deserves it. She needs to know what's, what's really going on. You're, you know, and, and like in the, I'm fighting this back and forth. And, um, so yeah, I went, I stepped back into my job at the time and my boss immediately like looks at me and she, you know, and she's like, whatever's going on, go take care of it. And so I went in the back room, closed the door, 
and my heart was so heavy and I just fell to my knees and just started crying and uh, I just started crying because I knew the moment that I told her that family unit was going to be broken up and so I made the phone call and um, you know there were some curse words on, on the back end of course and and uh she you know she immediately was like i'm filing for divorce i'm done um i'm done you know we gotta we gotta be done and i said okay and so for the next three months i spent in utah county homeless like i didn't have you know i was living out of my car um i went from uh work i'd work from like five to like two in the morning um go to ihop at, you know, and, and journal at IHOP until about seven in the morning and then go park behind my ex-wife's apartment and watch my kids get dressed, you know, just get ready for the day or whatever. And, and from the outside looking in and that was pain. Yeah. And it was, you know, during, it was January, February, March, it was the coldest months of the year. Um, so I went to, um, you know, and then I get up, go shower at the rec center and, you know, and then go spend a little bit of time from about two to two, uh, about two thirty to five at um, at my uh, with my kids, and then go to work, and that's what I did for about three months, and then finally found a place and started started climbing my way back up. And uh, April of eighteen, I was excommunicated, and uh, became bitter a little bit from a little bit from the church. Sure, and. Membership withdrawn, as we call it yeah. nowadays. Yep. Um, so um, then I just started. Um, you know, I found a new jo- new job with Family Dollar and um, started working the retail job, and and I just took my kids whenever I could. We didn't because the divorce wasn't finalized or anything, so we just you know we made arrangements and we we worked the way out. We we worked it out, and you know if. I was just finding validation anywhere I could, you know, any, any woman that would give me the time, time of day. So, so where, where does the, we're now sitting here on unashamed and afraid you're sharing your story. So this sounds like we're in a pretty deep hole at this point. (laughs) Um, so, uh, don't stop listening now. (laughs) So, um, you know, insert advertisement here in the second half, Josh will tell us how he climbed out of the hole. So, how did you get from that moment to here? Um, during COVID, um, there were there were quite a few moments um, during the COVID shutdown. Um, I was I was living in Sandy at the time, Sandy, Utah, and driving down to St. George, Utah, and spending a week at a time with, with my parents. And I would, um, as I was driving back um, to. As I was driving back to Sandy every single every single week, there was a song that would play, whether it was from Spotify that would just like come on, whether it was a CD, radio station, and that song was Garth Brooks, When You Come Back to Me Again, and that song just hit my heart, and, and I started to feel again. You know, I started to be like, okay, it's time to, you know, it's time to start changing, and um, it was... 
um, it took, it took about three months for me to, to actually trust that, that it was actual personal revelation and not just myself and my own desires. And finally I said, okay, you know, let's, let's do this. And, and so that was the end of May of 21 of 20. And I was able to find a job, um, move away from where I was at and find an apartment within a week and a half in a week's and a half time. And that was, for me, that was like, God, God definitely has his hand in, in my life. Yeah. You know, that wasn't coincidence that the job was there. It wasn't coincidence that apartment was there when I was, you know, I was number 17 on the list. Uh, it wasn't coincidence that, you know, everything just lined up. It wasn't coincidence for me. Yeah. So what, it, what were you doing as far as from like a recovery perspective to kind of get your heart back? So when I when I moved back to from Sandy to Orem, I started uh, attending ARP again, and uh, I started. Members attending. of the group were cool, or they were nerds. Uh, most of them were cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we met before that. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a confidential setting. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> no, Jason. Jason's great. Um, no, it was it was a time in my life where I knew that things needed to change. I I needed to become, I needed to be open, honest and vulnerable about who I really was. And, and if I wanted change, I had to be the change. And 12 step was the main community kind of practice for that. For for me, it was cool. Very, very cool. I, I stepped into a couple other ones, SAL and stuff, but there wasn't enough God involved for me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Well, no, I love you sure that we talk about the 12 steps a lot on here is not a, a one size fits all and, right. and different people. Right. I mean, I know people that uh, the ARP is so watered down and, and right. people, I mean, and Jason shared similar thoughts, like just love the heightened God and, and, and that practice. So right. no, I, I love you sharing that. Um, so last time you act out with another woman, uh, that was January of 21. So we're in this recovery, get to January of 21, and yep. you meet uh, our good friend Heather here in... Yep. in March of 21. How'd you meet? Uh, I was actually, <laughs> I was laid up because I hurt my ankle really bad mm-hmm. and uh, tore a couple ligaments and my, uh, of course, uh, being, the, being who I am, I was on Tinder and I was on um, <laughs> uh, Mutual, the LDS, or not LDS, but the church dual life we yeah. get it yeah <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> you know exactly so i was on both and and just talking to whoever wanted to be and, and i was open honest and vulnerable about who i was and march came around and and i just had my you know foot up and came across heather's profile and, and so so in your bio it said recovering addict and yeah Yep. And what for those? And we're going to get into this, but that that's actually like so, Josh, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, so tell us about that. So first off, Tinder mutual. Yep. No, how do we find Heather? Oh, so so I found Heather through mutual. Okay. So yep. you're so you're now I'm like pushing Josh's head out of the way. So you're um, so uh, you shared with us before the show. So second marriage, first marriage was to someone struggling with sexual addiction? Correct. I was uh, married for 15 years to someone who really, really struggled. I didn't know anything about it until after we had been married. A lot of hidden 
a lot of lies, a lot of not being open at all about it. And so it was him being like, I'm walking out through this, or you being like, I can't do this anymore? I, How did I was, it end? It was me saying, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I realized we were so disconnected. I'd had an anxiety attack, and he didn't believe me. Yeah. And I said, if I can't trust you with the most important parts of my soul and my heart, I can't do this. Yeah. And uh, up to that point, I kept asking, God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And every time he'd give me something and I'd try it. And finally, one day I said, okay. And he said, you're right. You're done. It's time to move on. Yeah. So when did you get divorced? <laughs> Funny story. Um we uh, two weeks ago, it finally got finalized, <laughs> and the thing's been a bloodbath. That's what we're about to hear. No, what happened is we separated in September um, of? of 20, Okay, and um, things kept getting put on hold, and I was told January of 21 that I was done. My attorney said, guess what? Congratulations, you're divorced. And about the time I met Josh, I got a phone call from my attorney that said, just kidding, you're not divorced. He never signed the papers. So my disclosure to Josh was, hey, by the way, I'm not looking for anything really because technically I'm still married. So that was slightly awkward. Second, been divorced now. Yeah, divorced now. So, so when did that actually happen? When did the ink actually land on the page? May 10th of 21 and he proposed okay. May 28th. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So, um, so... Don't waste time there, Josh. Yeah. Wow. No. So um, the what everyone has told you so I'll guess, and you can tell me if I'm okay. right. Um, you definitely need to wait for like at least a year, probably. Before oh, absolutely. You My get mom remarried. told me I was not going to date. She and told everyone I was not yeah, going like to date for a year. Date. Uh -huh. That would be wisdom. Um, and the other thing is for sure. Don't marry some dude with a sex addiction because right. you, for sure, that is the thing you are not going to sign up for. Absolutely, absolutely. That was the advice, and I got on. I had this feeling to get on mutual the night that we met. And I was swiping through and I saw his picture and I was like, nope. And then I had this feeling that said, you got to go back. You got to go back. And I was like, are you kidding me? It was this big shaggy haired dude. And I was like, really? Well, and I just want to name that right now, since I've known Josh, he rocks the Kiwi cut, which I actually want to rock and my wife won't let me. And I just am codependent and don't have the courage that Josh has. <laughs> so it. I just want to give a shout out do to yeah. his masculinity. Yeah, but you and can't how do the soul patch it. like he dude, does. Dude, don't either. you know me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had this feeling. It said, just just say yes. And so I swiped, and my first question was, do you like to cook? Um, and we started texting right away. Um, and I, that night, I don't remember if it was that night or the next night, we stayed up way too late telling, talking to each other. And I was laying in bed. I was like, this guy's really nice. This could be someone fun to hang out with and do things with. And all of a sudden, this spirit told me, He's going to tell you he's a sex addict. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Here's a guy I kind of like, I would like to hang out with. I'd like to know more. This is rude. Like I was kind of irritated. And right then he said, hey, just full disclosure. I want to, I'm trying to be open, honest, and vulnerable. Here's my backstory. And I was like, oh. And I remember sitting waiting for my stomach to drop. And I remember just laying there in my bed. It's dark. I have my, you know, just the light on my phone. And I felt completely at peace. And just this feeling of, it's going to be okay. Just trust me. I was like, okay, here goes nothing. So to make sure we have the he's right, that's a conversation with God. Yes. Not a conversation with Correct. Just Sorry. in case anyone's like, he's gaslighting her. Like, just <laughs> yeah, want to make sure everyone to got that clear. God okay. and I have a yeah. very solid 
relationship. I ask him a lot of things. I expect a lot from him in this kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I always have. So uh, the question I ask, like getting into this, like, because Josh is not coming into this, like, hey, that was in my past. I'm five years, five years sober from everything. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm still have my membership withdrawn in the church, like still wrestling. I mean, cause that, if we look at May, right? Last time he acted out was just, so we're only talking like four months, five months of sobriety yeah. from acting out with other women. So why did this feel different? Cause I, cause what I'm making up is a lot of women and people listening who are hurt right now that are totally just dismissing you and are like, she's dumb. Oh, right? absolutely. And so, and so to like those people listening that are like, this guy is not sober five seconds <laughs> and you're just like, like God just like gave you a bump and said, go for it or what? Like, so what was that, that experience was, for you? That was part of it. I, yeah. he has taken such good care of me over the years that I knew I expected I didn't just have faith that it would work. I kind of was like, it's your job to get me out of this. If this is not supposed hope, to work. Right. Yeah. That abiding trust that um, God's there. But also in my past relationship, pornography and all, everything was surrounded by so much um, secrecy and so mm -hmm. much hiddenness mm -hmm. of everything. So many lies. And anytime Josh would act out, he'd text me and say, hey, just so you know, I've had a rough morning. This is what happened. And that blew my mind that he was coming out instead of me digging it out of him like in previous times or me finding about it in a really awkward How long way. have you been dating at this point? I think I had gone on like five One. dates. And <laughs> Not he's, he's already you. being accountable to you. Yeah. Well, actually, for us, he was being accountable. When we were just hanging out. We were just hanging out. We actually yeah. hadn't even been on a date. We ended up... We had talked for two days. Um, Monday, he rescued me. He was kind of my knight in shining armor. My entire world fell apart that day. I had a baby. They was sick. Couldn't get home. I had a flat tire. Here's this guy oh, I've wow. known for three days. And I called him crying. I said, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to make this all work. Wow. And he's like, I got it. So he went and picked up my girls, which don't you don't normally let some stranger pick up your kids. And he got her brought over and um, brought her to me, and he came and fixed my tire and took care of us the rest of the day. And uh, he's like, and, and that's how you get us. That's how you rock the soul patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then the next day he said, "Hey, um, you want to hang out with our kids and have a movie night?" And any. Any dating advice anyone yeah, will ever no. give you, don't show your, kid, yes. your kids to your person after you've known them like three days. And we did. And our kids ran off like they were the best of friends. And within three minutes, after I stopped being super giddy about the fact that he actually is six, three and a half, and I was super excited about that, <laughs> um, we just hung out. And it felt super chill, super relaxed. We hung out the next night. And then from recovery, from rescue day, we were inseparable until his first boot camp. But yeah, even before we had ever been on our first date, he would say, hey, I screwed up today. This was really hard. And for me, it was gave me a chance. And one of the things he told me, which I think is important for women to hear is, I was always led to believe that my ex-husband's pornography was my issue. I wasn't mm -hmm. sexy enough. I wasn't beautiful enough. Mm -hmm. I didn't put out enough. You know, you name it. It was yeah. my fault. And from the beginning, Josh said, this is not your addiction. This is my problem. This will never be your problem, mm. which I really respected. And so I could look at and it and say- has it been your problem? Nope. And if I ever start to take it on, he's very quick to say, this isn't yours to hold. 
this isn't yours to carry. And so it's been easier for me to put, you know, to hold his hand and say, okay, I'm sorry. What are you going to do about it? And I can be a teammate with him, but I'm not being stepped on and broken down like I was before. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So how do you reconcile this relationship with God? Where we left off was, I'm kind of bitter about this whole thing. Because you've been on this journey, right? Right. Like, and it's been forever. And all the things. So how did that how did that shift for you? So I started listening to the this podcast uh, from a message that uh, Jason put out to the to the ARP text group. See, and, Jason, we don't need business cards see? to change the world. <laughs> um, so I started listening to it, and I immediately, um, you know, I immediately like connected with all the guys that I was listening to and started. Um, I went to the first boot camp and the, and I went to the boot camp thinking to myself, okay, I'm 37 years old. I started this addiction when I was 10. So I have to have 27 years of sobriety before I'm even thought break of break even yeah. before I'm even thought of or, or, or anything. And, um, that's when three men stepped in to my four or five, everybody from boot camp really, you know, stepped up and they showed me what God's love really was, you know, and that, and that all I had to do was turn around and he was there with his arms wide open. And I, I, uh, Chris is sitting here off the mic, which I get pissed about because Chris gets to have all these experiences with guys at boot camp. I'm always like, Sitting at the VT, I'm at the wrong place at the wrong time, or whatever. <laughs> so Chris is talking about this guy, dude. Have you met Josh yet? This dude's life is changing right now, and this whole thing. So Josh has some witness here to his experience, right, and how that yeah. happened. Yep. And so um, you you feel. I'm just gonna name how I feel listening to you. You feel so solid, mm-hmm. like so like that guy has changed directions. Oh yeah. Like you feel like on like this commitment, this, so like, how did you get there? Cause this is, there's like, I'm hearing this story of this guy at UVU who's like racking up the count. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not the dude that's sitting here, right. but that is your story. So like, h- how did that change happen for you? Um, being redeemed, being, um, trusting trusting in him and and knowing that it didn't my past didn't matter knowing that he cared about me knowing that there's 7 billion people out there and 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 God cares about me and wanting to to mend and fix that and 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 apologize to him for for turning my back on him you know, and and when I acknowledge that, that's when, like, it felt like the floodgates just opened. Well, and I think one of the big things that I saw for Josh is when he came home from boot camp, he went from being, yes, I'm trying to fix this about myself, to I want to help other people and became very mm. much an outward. He knew God loved him all of a sudden, and he wanted the entire world to know. 
And that's one thing when Josh first started coming to my ward, like first day in, he starts telling people about his addiction. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Like, stop. That's my brother right there. Stop talking. Stop talking. And, but really quickly, people started coming out of the woodwork. Hey, I have this problem. Yeah. Yeah, I've struggled with this. And I learned very quickly, people need Josh and Josh is willing to share his story. So Josh is extremely open about his story. And because of that, we've all, I've learned how to be open about my story and that what we're doing is important. And I think that's really what changed him is this idea that people showed him love. So he wanted to turn that around and show the rest of the world the same amount of love. So it is not uncommon for our 14 year old talk, they, for them to talk about who did the spirit tell you to call today? Who, who did you call and made contact with? Um, these kind of conversations. Whereas our son's 14, he can't wait. He's counting down till he gets to go to boot camp because he knows reaching out and showing these people has changed Josh so dramatically. Yeah, tough to do recovery in a shoebox. No, I haven't met a lot of people that that's yeah. worked out. Right. So, uh, Josh, as we wrap up here, um, tell us what you're doing right now. I'm sitting in on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> All right. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, so right now we are, um, I was asked by a member of our bishopric, um, what was the big change? What was something that happened? How did it happen? Um, and I sat down at his kitchen table with him and grabbed a piece of tile and, and started and just started writing like what, what really happened and what really happened was that I, you know, you know, speaking of heavenly father or, and Christ, um, seek him, hear him and act in him. So like those three things are like the key points of what my, what really happened inside. And from that point, we, um, Heather and I started, um, up a, uh, just like a little, you know, a shop out of our, you know, out of the basement and where we make our own shirts and, and we made some designs up and, and, and where do you sell them? Uh, we sell them at on, on, Etsy. on Etsy. On Etsy. And our the thing is called Our Story. Our Story Custom Shop on Etsy. Spell it. O U R S T O R Y. Oh gosh, C U S T O M S T O R Y. So Our Story Oh S H O P. Gosh, I can spell Our Story Custom Shop. There you go. Yeah, sorry, I can do that. So we have T-shirts and home decor, but it has become very Christ-centered and very centered around our story and the hope that we found together. So for you, as we wrap up here, um, for you, Heather, like final word, like if you could talk to that woman who's listening to this and is like, cool story, BS, BS, men can't be trusted. Healing doesn't really happen. Like, come on. Like to that woman that is, is still buried in, that shame and that betrayal and the wounding just feels too big to have hope. What would you say to her? I would say spend some time with God um, because it's so hard to, if I could just give them my heart, I would. Um, so give him the, give him your heart right now. Um. So, um, <laughs> I would tell them 
to just have faith, reach out to God. It's okay to yell and to scream. I've done that to God and yelled at him and blamed him. But to also know to stop and to listen. Because sometimes we get so busy when we're hurt that we just stomp around and we throw our tantrums. But if we can stop after our tantrum and listen, God always has something more to give us. And that's where my healing has taken place, where I could work on myself. Even when I was in the pit of my own personal trauma and hurt, and I didn't know how I was going to survive the relationship I was in. I didn't know how I was going to make it with my kids. I kept turning back to God and saying, okay, how to just help me get through the next 24 hours. Get me through the next 24 hours. Okay, get me through the next week. And relying on God completely and wholeheartedly. It's okay to be mad at Him. And it's okay to say, this sucks and you've hurt me and I'm angry. But to never let go of Him because... If he makes you a promise that things are going to be okay, I guarantee it's going to be okay. It just may not be in the okay package you expect it to come in. That's that's the love of God, though, that you can rage at him. Yeah. And he'll just, just love you. He's a big man. He love. can take your big feelings. <laughs> he can. I love that. And Josh, if you could go back to you living out of your car... Delivering, you know, the delivering pizzas, the yeah. just starting at Dollar Tree, the guy who had to pick up those bags off the porch, who in so many ways had nothing that he'd worked so hard to keep together and validate him. What would you say to him? I would say that any two people can do, can go through anything as long as one of them's Christ. You just have to make the choice. You just have to make the choice to to be open, honest, and vulnerable. It's worth it. It's worth the change. I'm beyond blessed because of it. Got a loving wife, a loving family. And you even had some repair with your ex-wife. Yep. She was actually at my baptism, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. So. so as you know, we end with the song. So, tell us for you a song that's been representative of this journey. Um, I think we're going to go with... Oh, she's giving the nod. Yep. And he's <laughs> like, do I know what the nod means? <laughs> We've talked about it on the way up. Uh, we're going to go with Stand by um, Newsboys. Hmm. So, uh, thank you for listening and be here with us. Um, log into iTunes, give us five stars. That's how the world finds us, and you can help us share the message of hope. Um, if you'd like to uh, help us share this um, and to help people in recovery, we are a nonprofit, so you can donate at ashamedafraid.com slash donate. If you are in need of a scholarship and help, we want to help you, and you are worthy of it. Unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. Follow us on social media at unashamedunafraid, and um, donate a dollar, five dollars, whatever, get in the bonus content content with us. We have some great questions to ask Josh and Heather. Um, little did they know. And um, <laughs> until uh, we get to be with you again, um, you matter. Make the choice, as our friend Josh said, and let the big man hold all the big emotions and continue to be unashamed. And with that, we will go out here with Stand by Newsboys. Who will I be 
When trouble comes calling for me Well, I live the way I believe When I'm backed up against the wall What kind of heart do I have in my chest? Does it beat for my savior or just for my flesh? What will I do in the moment that everything falls? I'm gonna stand in a world that's breaking stand for a truth unchanging. I'm not ashamed. Consider the cost I'll stay right here At the foot of the cross And stand They can call me a fool We're stubborn for following you For trusting without any proof But I've seen you here through it all So what kind of person do I The second that everything falls I'm gonna stand In a world that's breaking stand For a truth unchanging I'm not ashamed I've considered the cost I'll stay right here at the foot of the cross And stand Give it.